You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestoakville.ca. That is so great and that is so good. You know, I've been uh, so convicted over many years that sometimes we think biblical counseling is something for just for a few, but we have to readjust our definition or terminology to understand truly we all do need biblical counseling. You understand that what we're doing right now is a form of that as well, right? I mean, any discipleship in the Word of God is being counseled along the path towards Jesus Christ. So let's make sure we think properly and that we ourselves are humble enough to recognize all our needs of seeking to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Speaking of growing in Jesus Christ, let's get a Bible and let's turn to Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26 is where we are today and we start today a three-week mini-series on the gospel, on the gospel advancing, on the gospel being seen in our lives but then taking from our lives and this is what this series is going to be called for the next three weeks. I'm pretty excited about this. It's called uh, Gospel Advance. And I like this image right here as the light is shining into the darkness because that's what the gospel is. We are called to be, of course, the light of the world with Jesus Christ and the salt of the earth to shine that way. Whenever the gospel is spoken, it is light shining into the darkness as well. So for three weeks, we're going to do this, and we have a real purpose and goal as we seek to be used for Christ with the message that has been entrusted to us. So here's the goal of this series. I want to make sure it's very clear. There's, there's no uh, questions or misunderstanding. Let's get all on the same page. Here's the goal of the next three weeks, really the goal for our lives as well. Uh, we're just seeking to reinvigorate um, our passion or my passion for the gospel. Reinvigorate is so key because what happens often when it comes to the message of the gospel in our lives, we know it's important, but we get lazy or we get apathetic or we just kind of find ourselves going through the motions and we forget to understand the importance and the power of the gospel in us and also through us. So this series, and, and, and get ready today, because um, I'm praying you and I will be reinvigorated in our passion of the urgency for the gospel. So my passion for the gospel, my purpose in the gospel, when you understand the passion of the gospel of Christ in you, then it's the purpose that comes from that, that, that this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm not sitting around doing nothing. I'm taking the, the message of Christ, and I'm supposed to give it my purpose in the gospel and then perspective in the gospel. This is our goal, to see passion leading to purpose, leading to perspective, to think beyond ourselves, to think to our neighborhoods, our community, our province, our nation, our world. I mean, this is the call of our lives in the very Great Commission itself. So this is our goal. Now, when this happens, happens, what happens? Urgency is in our lives. Um, we, get, we get humbled in the process because we see how, God, you are awesome. You have entrusted us with this. I am humbled at the reality of the gospel. This helps us think globally as well. Uh, this life is short. This world is small in so many senses. And God has in, given us, again, entrusted us with a message. It brings to us the reality of why we're here. I mean, Let's just be honest, so many of us, we just, we just fall from this. We, we think it's about us, and we just go through the motions, and we're not doing what God has called us to do. This series is designed to wreck all of that and to bring in the reality of, 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 of who we are. And I got one more thing I want to show you then. For the next three weeks, this is where we're going within this series. I just want to give it to you right now. Week number one, the gospel is my purpose. Listen, you got to share it. That's today. The gospel is my purpose. you got to share it. Week number two, we're going to see this. The gospel comes at a cost you got to count it. There's no question that Jesus and the rest of the authors in the Bible explain to us very clearly that if you're actually going to live for Jesus Christ, you're going to be opposed. 
Uh, the Bible is crystal clear that if you're actually going to go for the things of Jesus Christ, it's going to come at a cost. Loved ones, we need to be prepared for what's coming. And a lot of us are not. If we're honest, a lot of us want ease and comfort and things to just go smoothly. If we want ease and comfort and things to go smoothly, we don't want the gospel and its reality in our lives. We don't. So next week we're going to look at some aspects of what it means to actually live for Christ and the persecuted church and stuff like that. And so we're going to see the gospel comes at a cost. We've got to count it. In week three, Pastor Craig's going to do this one, Lord willing. The gospel can't be stopped. You've got to love it. So despite the opposition, despite all the costs, whatever, that's the whole point. The gospel goes forward. And so we're going to see these three weeks that God, I pray, is going to use powerfully in our lives to renew our minds and reinvigorate our passions for the things that matter most. So week number one, then, is the gospel is my purpose. Share it. Loved ones, please hear this. True purpose is so powerful. True purpose is so powerful. It's purposeless. It gets us up in the morning. It's purpose that stimulates our brain and our mind with ideas. It's purpose that fires up our heart with emotion. It's purpose that can carry us through the darkest storm. It's purpose that can lift us to the highest mountain. It's purpose that causes us to see light at the end of the tunnel. It's purpose that motivates, accelerates, and stimulates within our lives. It's purpose that calls for sacrifice from us. It's purpose that demands our best. It's purpose that eliminates apathy and despises lethargy. Loved one's purpose is so, so powerful. Listen, listen. True purpose will give life, but a lack of true purpose will steal life from you. I have a godfather. Grew up with him, of course, a good man. He's in Collingwood. He's a financial advisor. I met with him a couple of years ago, heard about what he's doing. It's interesting. He told me a story. He said, Rob, you know what? I work with so many business execs who are retired in the city here in Toronto, make a pile of money. They go up to Collingwood. They retire. They play golf. They ski. They hang out, do whatever. They've reached their fulfillment. This is, this is the goal at the end, right? All the sacrifice, all the time, all the money that's saved up. And here we go. We start living our life now. And he says, it's amazing. You'd be so surprised that so many of these business execs with all their time and money, they come up and they find themselves pretty quickly getting pretty bored pretty fast. They're lacking purpose to the extent that many of them will actually rent an empty office space and they will go there and set up a chair and a desk and read their newspaper. Why? Because all their lives they've been searching for purpose and they thought their purpose was getting to the end with the money and the golf and the skiing and the leisure time and they get there and it's found wanting. The purpose does not add up. The purpose does not make sense. The purpose is not fulfilling that which they thought it would. And again, there they are saying, why am I really here? Loved ones, hear this, hear this, and be encouraged. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have and we hold a purpose of infinite satisfaction. We have in Jesus Christ a purpose of eternal worth, of eternal value, and eternal life. I mean, just just think about that statement. We hold a purpose because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of eternal power, of eternal worth, and yes, literally, of eternal life. No one else in this world but a born-again child of God can boast of such things. Oh, think of such purpose, to live out such purpose, to speak of such purpose, the purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
So as we feed on God's word today, we want one or all of three things to happen to us today as we are reminded or informed of the greatest purpose ever in the gospel of Jesus Christ. One or all of three things. The first person might be saying this, man, I'm, I'm hearing this, bring on my purpose, please. Please, please, I've been looking for purpose my whole life. I need to know my purpose. The second person might be saying, remind me of my purpose. Please, please remind me, I've been distracted I, I, I've been following self. I've been going after the world. I've fallen off my bike, but I, I sense it already. God's saying, get out of the ditch. Get on my bike. Let's go. Let's go. Let's ride now for the gospel. Please remind me of my purpose, God, in your word. And maybe the third person could be saying, um, um, I must apply my purpose today. I know my purpose in Christ, but now I gotta, now I got to do something about it. The gospel's too rich to ignore. The gospel's too great to sit inactive i got to do something about it. After all, it's the commission that is upon my life. Bring on my purpose. Remind me of my purpose. I must apply my purpose. Father, help us, I pray, in these things right now. Oh, God, I pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and for your glory. Oh, God, I pray you would. Oh, God, I pray that you would bring such conviction and love and power upon your church and your people. Oh, God, I pray you will renew our minds and spur us on to love good deeds and such power for the gospel, which is, oh, God, your power of salvation. Oh, God, I pray, I pray, I beg, you would grab us so tightly and so lovingly, though, that we would say, this is for me. Now is the time. Free me from myself and free me to worship you, Lord, with my life. And then to tell others, to tell others of the purpose of our existence for the glory of God. Please, oh God, take this church now and do something special with it for you. This is our purpose, Lord. Help us to fulfill it. Forgive us when we've been so lazy and so complacent. But today's a new day again. Another opportunity where you reach into our hearts and say, you child, you've been called to something great. It's time for you to fulfill your purpose with my strength. And for my glory, God says, may it be so, Lord, may it be so. In Jesus' name, amen, church? Acts 26, let's get some context. This is so great, I I really like this passage. In Acts 26, the apostle Paul finds himself in Caesarea on the shores of the Mediterranean. He's standing before King Agrippa. King Agrippa has the reign over several cities. Prior to this, Paul had been in Jerusalem where he was testifying to the risen Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ died, was buried. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And because he was doing that, many of the Jews were trying to kill him and murder him. So Paul then was secretly transferred from Jerusalem to Caesarea for his safety, where he would be in prison there for the extent of two years. Now, it was Portius Festus who succeeded Felix as governor, and as Festus came in as governor, he inherited this controversial case with this little Jewish man named Paul. And so King Agrippa is coming in, and the Bible specifically tells us in Acts 26 that King Agrippa came in with all his pomp, all his pomp and glamour. King Agrippa loved his pomp. That's a good word, isn't it? Pomp. King Agrippa came in with all his pomp, yes, with all his pomp, and he's there, and he loves himself, and he feels himself so important, but he's also very curious about this, again, this little Jewish man, and he wants to hear his story. He wants to know what's going on, and we can read into the text later on that something was stirring in King Agrippa's heart. So there he is, and King Agrippa coming in all his 
pomp, yes, yes. And he's asking some questions now. Now what's happening here? As we set up Acts 26, what's happening here is Paul is once again being set up by the sovereignty of God and for the glory of God to fulfill his greatest purpose. And that takes us to point number one. What is my purpose? It's this, proclaim the gospel. What is my purpose? Proclaim the gospel. How? With my words and my life. With my words and my life, my purpose is to proclaim the gospel. Listen, for the glory of God. For the glory of God with my words and with my life. So again, Acts 26. Paul is standing before King Agrippa, and Agrippa gives him permission to speak. That's verse 1. Paul then begs King Agrippa to listen intently and patiently with his words. That's verse 2. Three, just live in the Bible, love us. Live in the Bible, right? There's Paul before this king. He's about to testify of his own saving, of the saving grace upon his life. And he's like, he's like, I beg you, Agrippa, listen. And listen patiently. Don't give up on me. I'm going to talk a lot. That's a good thing for a pastor to say and a preacher to say, isn't it? Please listen intently and be patient, be patient. And Paul begins explaining his background as a Pharisee. He tells Agrippa, I was an enemy and a persecutor of the church. I was seeking the ruin. That's verses 4 to 10. And now verse 11 in Acts 26 provides a very good summary. Paul says this. He says, and I punished them, Christians, and I punished Christians often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. Wow. And in raging fury. Wow. And in raging fury, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Okay. Paul has the attention of the king. Paul has the attention of all who are listening They're hearing about his past, and they're wondering about his present. Now, whether they knew him well or not, they would all know this guy's not the same man he used to be. They're all picking up the purpose that is starting to fill kind of in the room. He's radically changed, but the question is, why has he radically changed? The answer is in verse 12. Take a look, verse 12. Paul says, in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus trying to kill Christians with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king... I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the golds. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am, tell me, Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this, tell me, purpose to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles known as to whom I am sending you. Okay, so check this out. We're living in the text. He begins to tell his salvation story again. Purpose is is flowing and the people are picking up a fragrance of purpose. They're starting to sense there's something different. You know, our lives should do the same. Our lives living authentically for Jesus Christ should give off a fragrance of purpose. There should be, not everyone's going to love the fragrance, but it should give off one. There should be something about us that is seen, something different, something people wonder about, just like Paul here, he's telling a story, and people are starting, whether they like it or not, that's not the point. It's that they know something different is there with them. Do you see what's happening here? Paul is declaring his own private commissioning from Jesus Christ. Paul was going through life on his own path. He was following his own purpose. And then out of nowhere, Jesus, and it's so great, out of nowhere, Jesus enters in and literally knocks him over with light from heaven. They all fall down, it says. 
Jesus knocks him over. So Jesus says, this is my paraphrase of Paul's testimony in this section right here. Jesus enters into Paul's life and says, hey, Paul, 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 listen, listen. Your purpose is done. My purpose for your life has just arrived. Hey, Paul, you want to go? You want to try to persecute the church? You're going to hate me, all kind of stuff? You go through. Light shines. Hey, Paul, listen, listen. You're done. I'm in. Your purpose is gone. My purpose has arrived. How many of us have the same story? Going through life, following our own ambition, our own desires, our own purposes, thinking we know it all. And by the grace and the mercy and the love of God, in some form, light shines down from heaven, and Jesus Christ becomes real in your life. Your eyes are open. You can now see. You are saved. You are redeemed. And Jesus stands over over you and says, my child, your purpose is gone, and my purpose for your life has now arrived. Praise God. Hallelujah. That is awesome, and that's what the gospel does. Jesus says to you, think about that. Think about that. Apply it to your life. Your purpose is gone, Louis. My purpose now for your life has arrived. Awesome. The power of the gospel And when you sense that purpose, you're not looking for the things of the past. When you see it for what it is, you want Jesus Christ. Paul was no different. Check out verse 16. Jesus says, stand up on your feet. I love that. It's time for action. You know what Jesus is saying here? No couch potatoes allowed in the gospel. No way, man. We've got something to do. We've got a message to bring. Life is too short. We can't sit back doing nothing. We've been saved for this purpose. Jesus says, I have appeared to you for this purpose. Paul, Paul, I have transformed your soul. I have literally regenerated your life, your spirit, your heart, your whole, whole being for the purpose of preaching the gospel. Look at the purpose. Jesus explains to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things which you have seen. See the verb appoint there? That's significant because it means beforehand. The meaning is of beforehand. It tells us then Paul has, just think, Paul has been set apart before his birth to carry the task of preaching the gospel. Before he was born, God had set him aside to give him the task of preaching the gospel. He is to be a servant and a witness, a witness of the resurrected Christ, but also a proclaimer of the gospel. That is so amazing that you in Christ have been set apart. I in Christ have been set apart before we were born. Before we were born. That's just for Paul. No, no, it's not just for Paul. There's a great commission that Jesus gave to the entire church that we're to go make disciples and teaching them all that Jesus has taught us. Listen, loved one, set apart before you were born for the task of carrying the gospel. Here's a question. Are you doing it? Are we doing it? Well, I'm a little bit afraid. I don't really like to talk about doing it. You were set apart. I was set apart before I was even born for the task of the mission entrusted with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says to Paul at the end of verse 17, to whom I am sending you. And see here, what Paul has just received is the greatest purpose and privilege known to humans. There is no higher calling than the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the message of life itself. And you might read Acts 26 and you might be saying, well, isn't this a command to Paul specifically? Isn't this a command specific just to him? I say yes, in part it is. Paul was certainly set apart in a unique way for a unique purpose, but to write off our responsibility from this text, again, is to completely disregard the Great Commission. And notice the exciting parallels from this text that we have before us and the Great Commission in Matthew 28. In our text, Paul is commissioned, Paul is sent, and Paul is called to preach the gospel. Sound familiar? 
mean, sound familiar? There's Jesus, again, over his disciples and to us, commissioning, sending, and calling us to teach and to preach the gospel. You see, loved ones, hear this, hear this, hear this. Jesus doesn't transform a life for the purpose of inactivity. Hear that. Jesus does not transform your life for the purpose of inactivity. Jesus transforms a life for the purpose of his glory. And Jesus is glorified as we become more like him. And we become more like him as we declare his glory through the gospel. This is the secret to Paul's life. So captured with the gospel. So aware of his fragile nature and inability. But then so in love with Christ and the message. He must take the gospel forward. Here's a verse from Acts 20 that summarizes this so well. Look at this verse right here. Paul says, but I do not account my life of any value. Reminds me so much of Philippians 3. I consider all things lost compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. When I weigh the value of Christ and the rest of the world, even my own life, I do not count my life of any value. Nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course, the race that God has assigned for me, the ministry that I have received. You see that? You and I have received the ministry in Jesus Christ. You can't just put it on the pastor or the elders. Or the other people, I mean, this is all of us in this together. I received from the Lord Jesus what? To testify to the gospel. I'm nothing but in Christ, man. Well, I start seeing something. And I'm called to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. This is Paul's secret to his life. So aware of Jesus Christ. So aware of the treasure of the Lord. So aware that he's a sinner who is saved by a Savior, so aware that he's been given this task, so aware of the urgency of the day, that he must go forth and take the gospel with him. You know, I just love Paul so much because Paul eats the gospel for breakfast, doesn't he? And lunch and dinner. But he doesn't just eat the gospel. He shares the gospel. He shares the gospel with anyone who will listen. Why? Because he's so transformed by it, he can't keep it in. That's the evangelism strategy for our church. We are so uh, enthralled and in love with Jesus Christ. How can we keep it in? I say this a lot around here. The Holy Spirit is never in your life saying, shh, shh, don't talk about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's never, ever doing that. The Holy Spirit in us wants us to speak the message, whether we're rejected or not. It's not about us anyways. Paul's so transformed, he can't help but speak the message of the gospel. Why? Because it's his greatest purpose, proclaiming the gospel for the glory of God. Loved ones, it's impossible to make disciples without the proclamation of the gospel because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. The gospel is what God uses. The word of God is what God uses to make disciples. So the purpose that is found in Paul's life, he testifies before Agrippa. But the purpose continues, and now we find Paul's motivation. Point two, check this out. What's my motivation? Here it is, life change. Life change is my motivation in the gospel. Let me ask you a question. What excites you? It's always a great question. What fires you up, loved ones? What fires you up? What gets your heart? What are you most excited about? It's always a great thing to ask your spouse because they probably know better than you do. Ask your children, ask a friend. What do you think I'm most fired up about? What do I really think about? Love, what do I spend my money on? What am I trying to do with my life? What really fires me up? What really excites me? Listen, if you, if you are truly growing in Jesus Christ, then life change in Christ must be top three in your life. It has to be. 
Life change in Jesus Christ has to be top three. Like, what are the other ones? Well, if you're, if you're becoming more like Jesus, I suggest to you, number one is the glory of God. Like, the things you're most fired up about. If you're really in tune with your Savior, the glory of God, the gospel, the glory of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then life change in the gospel of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Top three in the life of the believer. If you and I are growing closer and closer to him and intimately with him, the glory of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and life change in the gospel. And this question becomes such an important test of our hearts. Each week, you and I, each week I have to check my heart and ask myself, each week, I mean, if not every day, where's my purpose? Robbie, where's your purpose right now? Robbie, where are your affections? They've, they've gone off track. They're, 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 they're not where they should be. What am I motivated by? I'm not motivated by the right things. I have to check that every single week. I need a spiritual checkup. Every single, every single day I need a spiritual checkup. So do you. And that's what this series is right now. That's what we're seeking to do. And check out why. Check out the purpose as to why Paul is being sent. There's so much purpose. It's dripping from this text. I'm not joking. When I ever, whenever I look up on uh, verse 18, um, my eyes light up like they do. And like my heart starts to beat fast. I get so excited in verse 18 because it's just dripping with purpose for the gospel. And I was, check it out. Jesus says, I'm sending you to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith, by faith, by faith in me, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. This is the purpose as to why Paul's being sent. Listen, it's so clear. Life change in Jesus Christ. It's so awesome. Notice five aspects of life change in this one verse. Notice number one is this. Eyes are opened. Paul, I'm sending you that eyes might be opened. Jesus in Luke 4 stood up and said, fulfilling Isaiah, I have come, I have come to recover the sight of the blind. Physically, yes. Most importantly, though, most accurately, spiritually. Jesus is sent with his gospel and trusting his church with a message. Think about this. We hold a message that God will use to literally and, and spiritually open up eyes of the blind. What kind of power is that? Where's that power found? That power is only found in the gospel. can only be performed by Jesus Christ. It is so, so beautiful that eyes are opened. And that's why you and I, when we watch baptisms and we hear testimonies of men and women and children who have had their eyes opened through the power of the gospel, we smile, amen? We cheer and we have our tears forming in our eyes and running down our cheeks and we feel a joy in our hearts. So I was preaching in Harvest Brantford last Sunday. I got to be here Saturday night, but not Sunday morning, so I missed some of the baptisms on Sunday morning, and, but I got a link sent to me of the videos, and I was sitting in a taxi cab of, I'll tell you more about this in a little bit, but I was sitting in a taxi cab of all places with a couple of friends from the church, and I began to play some of the baptism videos from last weekend on the phone and turned up the volume. We were all sitting there kind of huddled in this cab, and I'm telling you, it wasn't long before the amen started, and the joy was felt, and the tears kind of glossing over in our eyes, and just the reality, here's another life where the eyes have been opened through the power of the message of the gospel. You just can't make this stuff up. It's just so awesome. It's just so awesome. And this is, the, this is the message that we hold, but this is one aspect of the purpose. Notice what happens next, from darkness to light. So this is the motivation for life change, loved ones. We proclaim a gospel. People are turned from darkness to light. I love Isaiah 9, where it prophesies of Christ. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. To those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness... On them has light shined. As the world gets darker, be not afraid. As the world gets darker, be not discouraged or dismayed. As the world gets darker, 
the light of Jesus Christ only shines brighter. And this is the opportunity that we have right now. Notice in our text in verse 18, notice that they may turn from, they may turn from darkness to light. You see the purpose in this? You see the glory in this? This is, this is incredible. The message that we speak, people are walking towards death and hell. We were those people once. Walking towards death and hell and through the power of the gospel, what happens, spiritually people literally turn 180 away from death and hell and now turn towards glory and love and joy in heaven and eternal life with Jesus Christ. What other message in this world can do that? None. None. This is the power of the gospel for salvation. People walking to death and the gospel opens their eyes and turns them from darkness and death to light and life. Do you know, do we know the privilege and the power of the message that is entrusted to us? Paul does. Do we? It's not a game. This stuff is awesome. Notice, eyes are open, darkness to light. The power of evil is broken. He says, from the power of Satan to God. That's a staggering statement. The gospel releases the death grip of Satan and brings people and transfers them into the kingdom of the Son that God loves. That's the power of the gospel. The power of Satan is broken and defeated. And instead, Christ gives life. This is the message you and I are entrusted with to use and steward within our lives. Just, just, just think about this, man. This is, this is so great. We we get so excited about movies, don't we? Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, and the good versus evil, and we're cheering for good to win, and movies like Star Wars, all those years going a few generations back for us somewhere. But Star Wars, and oh, I hope Darth Vader's bad. Oh, wait, he's good now. Yay, good's winning, good's winning. And we get so, we pay money, and we watch and watch and watch. And then currently, you know, movies like Avengers, and, and good versus evil, and oh, I hope good wins, and we cheer. There's such a longing for, 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 for good to triumph over evil. But don't you see? That's, that's all make-believe. But we're in this thing called life and reality. We hold a message. It's not make-believe. It literally takes people from evil and turns them into good regarding the gospel and the glory and the grace of Jesus Christ. Awesome. We hold this message. Are we using it? So far out of our movies. And we're living in a real one right now called life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's exciting. It's hard. We suffer. There's opposition. It's exciting. I mean, think about that. Think about that. The stewardship, the opportunity, the power of the gospel. I really am praying hard these days, too. If we could only see the reality of the spiritual world around us, even in this room right now, if we could only see the reality of good versus evil, of light versus darkness. Right now, at this moment, the war that is raging over souls, the intensity of the battle. Why? Because this is the power of the gospel. Satan is terrified. It literally changes lives. Oh God, would you wake, and wake, us up, wake us up to the reality of our response to the message of the gospel last week. So I was preaching in Harvest Brantford. And, and um, I want you to be so encouraged. You know, one of our church plants, just not even a year ago, the place is packed. I don't, I don't think there's a seat in the, in the place. Um, encouragement is so strong. Um, 
singing loud, people there. I had so many people come up to me afterwards. I'm not exactly sure why, but they just want to encourage me. I was going to come up to me and say, my life's changing, my life's changing. You know, marriages that are, thinking there's lots of different challenges and stuff going on, but just God is at work. People who, who marriage is being restored or people who weren't there before, people being saved, people being baptized. And I thought to myself, I sat there for a moment, I said, wait a second, wait a second. As of a year ago from now, that church didn't even exist. Not in that form, not in that school, not with those people. And then here it is now, and it's thriving and full and packed with purpose for the gospel and life change for Jesus Christ. Loved ones, be encouraged because that is the hope for our nation. The hope for our nation is churches being planted for the gospel and the glory of Jesus Christ. And as you support this church, you support that church. We are part of something so much greater than just this. We are part of something that God is doing in the power of the gospel and literally lives are being changed and eyes are open and turned from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God. It's literally happening all around us. You gotta see it. Be excited about it. Be fired up about it. And Paul says at the end of verse 18, he says that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Do you see why I'm pretty excited about this verse? And, this, and is it underlined in your Bible yet? I hope so. You can get that done before the end of the message for sure, I pray. But notice right here that they may receive forgiveness of sins. One person can forgive sins, Jesus Christ. One way we get to heaven, Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sins and, listen, and receive a place, a place, he says, among those who are sanctified by faith in me. It's so odd. The gospel when received, guarantees a place and glory in heaven, a place among those who are set apart for the glory of Jesus Christ. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel. And notice the last four words in verse 18, so key. By faith in me. Not by works, not by works, not by works. You hear it today? You think being a good person gets you in heaven? And, 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 and one more, and, all right? You can't get into heaven. Jesus Christ gets you into heaven by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith in me. Not Paul, Christ, 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 Christ. By faith in me. You have a place in heaven. Are you saved in Jesus Christ? Think about it. You have a place reserved for you in heaven. Bam, that's awesome. You have a place with your name on it. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. When we share the gospel, we are desiring that other people would too have a place reserved for them. They may, they may not know death, but know life. That's the urgency of this message. That's the power of this gospel. I ask you, are you sharing it? Am I sharing it? Are we sharing it? God, help us to share it. God, help us to not fear man. God, help us to understand the urgency of the day. God, help us to get beyond ourselves and our stupid fear. And help us to fear you more than we fear man. God, help us because we can't do it apart from him. We can't do it apart from him. But he wants to do it through us and in us. And he asks us to be available in this way right now at this time in this church and this message. What is my purpose? Proclaim the gospel. What is my motivation? Life change. But now we see, what should I expect if I take this seriously? What can I expect if I actually try to fulfill this life of purpose in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Four things from the rest of our text here today. They'll be on the screen beside me. That I can expect as I genuinely desire to see a life of purpose fulfilled in my life. Number one, I can expect this if I'm going to do this. I can expect, number one, obedience from myself. 
I can expect obedience from myself to the commission upon my life. Look at verse 19. Paul says, therefore, O King Agrippa, testifying to this glorious gospel, he says, I was not, I was not disobedient. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then Jerusalem, Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they may repent. Notice right away, this is everything for the disciple of Christ filled with purpose. He says, I was not disobedient. Hear this, loved ones. The quickest way to empty your life of purpose is disobedience. The quickest way to empty your life of purpose is disobedience. That's, that's partly, or that could be the reason why some of us are here right now and we feel no purpose. Because there just hasn't been obedience. There hasn't been a love for God. There hasn't been a love for others. There's been a love for self. And so because we have seen disobedience run through our lives as the predominant theme, then of course purpose leaves us. And we become dissatisfied and miserable. But notice this. Disobedience is more than not a result of our eyes off of the treasure of, of Jesus Christ. And therefore off of our purpose as well. See, the single greatest reason Paul was used, he was so captured, so captured by the gospel that he could not help but proclaim the gospel again. In Paul's life, I want to say it again, because this, this again is the secret to his life. He sees the grace of God. The grace of God comes and saves him. Light shines. He is literally taken from death. The grace of God, and that, and that fuels then, then, then the gospel of God. When you have grace and you see gospel, you go. You can't help but go. When you see the grace undeserved favor, not unmerited from God, and the grace of God I've received, then in the gospel, grace, gospel, go. Grace, gospel, go. Not grace, gospel, stop. Grace, gospel, go. I've received this. I am this. I must say this. I must live this. Grace, gospel, go. That's just Paul's life. It's just, it's just so clear. It makes so much sense. You know, Pastor, why, why, why get so excited about these things? Grace, gospel, go. That's why. Why am I so passionate? Grace, gospel, go. How can we sit back and do nothing? For real? For real? Right, right? Robbie, what's wrong with you? My, what's wrong with me is I read the Bible too much. And I keep reading the Bible and the power of God for salvation. And I keep seeing the call for passion all my life. And I keep seeing the expectation God wants to have for his church. And I cannot settle for less than, and I cannot settle for less than you either. And so many Christians are too lukewarm. They're just settling for too less. Come on. Come on, wake up. Beg him to wake you up. Just in a moment we'll be standing, just in a moment we'll be before him. In a moment we will be before him. He's told us everything we need to know. There's no questions about what he wants us to do. Help us, God. Take my unbelief, God. Take my idolatry, God. Take my laziness, God. Take my apathy. Kill it, God. Kill it. That my life might be used for the greatest purpose known to mankind. John Piper has said in his church for many, many years, there are three types of people in his church regarding missions in the gospel. There are goers, 
All of us are called to be goers in some way, whether you're a goer locally or nationally or globally, go. He says there are goers, there are senders, and there are the disobedient. And that's true in this room right now. We have goers in this room. We have senders, resources, prayer. You want to be a sender? You pray. You want to be a sender? Why don't you join our pre-service prayer team before each service and call, call to the Lord and say, I want to be a sender for my purpose in the gospel. You pray. You encourage. We have goers. We have senders. Listen, we also have the disobedient in this room right now too. You'll know which one you are. Notice um, in verse 20 of this text, notice how closely it relates to Acts 1, verse 8. In Acts 1, verse 8, we are, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Notice in Acts 26, verse 20, Paul says, I was a witness for Christ in Damascus, Jerusalem, Judea, and to the Gentiles. Paul's fulfilling his part in the command of the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations, but I want you to see this. So again, the temptation could be right now, okay, I got a purpose, I got to do something about that, which in one sense is true, but remember, we can't do this. So you say, well then what do I do? The Great Commission, the bookends of the Great Commission, Paul Tripp actually explained this to me last year, and it just, I mean, it's so simple, but it was just so beautiful. And he explained to me just, Robbie, before the Great Commission, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So where does the power for the Great Commission come from? Christ. And then he gives the Great Commission, and then at the end of the Great Commission, he says, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So what's the guaranteed promise of the Great Commission? It's the presence of Christ. So don't you see, Ravi, it's the authority and the power of Christ, and then the guaranteed promise of the presence of Christ that allows the Great Commission to happen at all. So we then are not saying, i got to try harder, i got to try harder. We understand his authority and power and his promised presence allows us then to fulfill that which he's asked of us because Jesus will never command from us what he's not willing to do and fulfill in us. So don't you see? We get discouraged, but it's because we're not looking at our source of power and presence. If I'm going to live a life of purpose, I can expect obedience for myself. And I can expect this also, I can expect opposition from others. Opposition from others. Notice what kind of response the message of repentance will sometimes bring. Look at verse 21. For this reason, Paul says, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Well, that's nice. Remember too, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul explains that when we share the gospel, to some it's the fragrance of life, and to some it's the fragrance of of death, yes. See, again, 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 Jesus has promised us what's going to... So, so if you and I are going to live a life of purpose, we have to align our expectations. I tell you this all the time. Align your expectations what the Bible actually teaches. And the Bible actually teaches as we truly live for Christ, we will be opposed at times. Look at verse 24. And as he... This is, this is, this is, this is great. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus, the governor, said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. I love that. Festus is calling Paul crazy. Question, question. You ever been called crazy for Jesus? I have. I'm sure a lot more people have thought it than said it, but they've also said it. You know, George Whitfield, the first Sunday after he was ordained, he preached the message. 
and 50, or people complained. People started complaining that Whitfield had caused 15 people to become insane. Okay? So the complaint was he's, he's making people go nuts. Okay? Now the bishop who received the complaints was godly and wise, and the bishop said to, this, to these people complaining, he said, I wish all clergy had this effect on people, not none at all. See, he got it. See, see, see the gospel does make people crazy, but in the best, pure, awesome, joy-filled sense of the world, the world thinks it's crazy. Jesus Christ says it's amazing. Many of you have people close to you, and you're going for Jesus Christ, and they think you're nuts. Amen. Nuts for Jesus. In fact, maybe Gospel Advance is a good title. Maybe Nuts for Jesus is a better title for the series. Maybe. Maybe. Nuts, nuts, nuts for Jesus. Because in reality, that's what, listen, listen, that is a good thing. Remember, remember, your Savior was accused of being insane. Your Savior was accused of having a demon. He's mad. He's, he's out of his mind. We shouldn't be surprised when it happens to us as well. If they treated me this way, how will they treat you also, Jesus said. What should I expect? Obedience, opposition, but I should expect this, loved ones. Look, 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 help from God. I should expect help from God in this longing for purpose. Look at verse 22. It says, to this day I have had the help that comes from God. You see? What's Paul's secret? God is Paul's secret. Not him. It's God. So I stand here testifying to most small and great Paul says in Colossians 1, I toil, I toil in the gospel, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Don't you see? Don't you see? His agonizing, his struggling is the energy of God in him that God powerfully works on him. Grace of God, strength of God, power of God within our lives. How long does Paul last on his own? He doesn't. Verse 26, he speaks of boldness. Boldness is not made made. Boldness is God-given. It's God-given. Paul has the things God has given him. He has help from God. And lastly, we see this. We see this. Obedience, opposition, help from God. And fourthly, I need to expect results. If I'm living a life of purpose, look what happens in verse 27. Again, live in the Bible. Live in the Bible. Okay, so Paul is declaring these truths and Festus is calling him nuts and all this kind of stuff. And then verse 27, he hangs on to his purpose, man. He says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? And then this statement I know you believe. That's great, man. I just love Paul. There he is, and just in his God-given boldness and looking at the king over several cities. Do you believe, King Agrippa? I know you believe, you know? And King Agrippa, he's like, oh, man. Like, he's got conviction going on, and he's probably getting a little restless like the guys in church when they're conviction and stuff, and they, get, they just can't sit still. And I'm sure King Agrippa, in some case, was like that as well. And then King Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I went to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am except for these chains. See, the life of purpose is anticipating, expecting results, even in the most bizarre places. This past week, I found myself um, in New York City. Pastor George Sherman and I and Pastor Jason Matta from Toronto West, we were down at the Brooklyn Tabernacle for a day of renewal and prayer with Daniel Henderson, who was here, remember? And Daniel invited us, went down... Um, late Monday and then came out a midday Wednesday and, and uh, it was a good time down there and, and just simple prayer and, and worship. And, but we were getting in the taxi on the way back to the airport. Our wives were with us, so there were six of us and the taxi driver in this cabin. We got in the cab and that's when, um, first thing I did was I just wanted to play that video of the baptisms. And so I got my phone out and I started to play and the, and the, the music was on the cab. The driver kind of sensed what was happening. He turned the music down a little bit. 
started listening to this powerful, powerful baptism from last weekend, and the audio was pretty loud, and I think the driver was picking up on some stuff. We were watching that, and we were all got a little emotional, excited, and saying, praise God, praise God, and bless you, George. I love Pastor George so much, man. Just He's in the front seat, and then, so he starts asking some questions to the driver, and just some small talk, but I knew where he was going right away. I just knew right away, you know? <laughs> You know, and I just started praying for him, and I'm just there, and, and, um, and so we started driving along, and the conversation got interesting pretty quick, and I think the baptism video set a bit of a tone, because it's interesting, the cab driver actually began to speak, not like on Christ's terms, but he started to speak on a few opening that gives opening for spiritual questions, like God was just doing something in that moment, and then George took it upon himself to kind of enter into a more of a, a gospel-centered conversation, asking for his background, this cab driver had a church background, but it sounds like he was just kind of dabbling in all sorts of different things, um, but it's interesting, George then said to him, this is a great question to ask when you're witnessing, he said to him, he said, do you have any kind of faith background? And the cab driver chuckled, and he said, you know, I've been in this cab for all these years. He said, people ask me about where, where's this, and how do I get here, and, and what do you think about this? No one's ever asked me that question, ever. And he seemed to want to talk about it. We're like, this is great. So George's like, well, my name is George, I'm a pastor at a church. Uh, this is Robbie Heim, he's a senior pastor of our church. And Jason Mao, he's the church plant pastor. And the guy kind of looks around, and he's like, what have I got myself into here? And he, and he literally said, I've never had a whole church in my car, you know? And, and so we start talking about the gospel. is really, really, really neat. And really getting to the thing, did you have faith in Christ and forgiveness of sins? His name was Casey. And we're, and, we're, and we're doing this, and he says, you know what? He says, I've had Hindus in my cab. I've had Muslims. I don't ever recall having Christians in my cab who have talked to me about Jesus. And that's sad, loved ones, because so many of us, I understand, I understand, are so afraid. But here we are having this conversation, and at one point, the Lord led me just to, to say, Casey, I want you to know without a shadow, we are in this cab today, all of us, all six of us, crowded in, in this cab that lets you know Jesus Christ loves you, he died for you, he wants to save you from your sins. And he wasn't, he wasn't shrugging this stuff off. And we got in, talked more, we got to the airport. It's always a long way in New York, isn't it? Never been there before, by the way. It was really neat. Get to the, get to the airport. George hands him a gospel of John. We pray for him. He's receiving this. This is so exciting. And then we get out of the cab and against Casey and give him a big hug. George exchanges cards and just said, dude, love you, man. God's at work in your life and you know it. And I could tell he did. He did, you know? And God gave us, I think, this, even with this text coming up this week and these opportunities, just to share with us to say this, and are we open to the opportunities God is giving to us? And when they are there, are we willing to walk through those doors? And when you and I pray for the opportunity for our purpose, will we take them when God grants them? Loved ones, let's expect results. Remember, you at once were in darkness. You at once, apart from Christ, were in the power of Satan, but somehow God saved you and someone told you the message of the gospel, God wants to save others also. That's why we're here. The purpose of the gospel for the glory of God. Do it, Lord. Let's pray. God, this is a powerful passage, and you're speaking to many people. Speak to us all. Speak to us all, Lord. Grip us. Fill us. Convict us. Use us. Maybe even right now there are individuals that we're thinking of burdened for the gospel. We will encounter strangers this week where we will have the opportunity to speak of Christ. God, give us the boldness by your spirit to do it. Let us not fear man, let us fear God. Let us love people enough to share with them the power of the message that you use, God, to take people from Satan to yourself. Give us enough love even now in this, in this, in this response, in this, in this song, to pray these words to you, that you will ignite our hearts for the glory of God. The, the purpose of the gospel, we, 
we got to share it, Lord, and we just say, thank you for your grace upon our lives, because so often, Lord, I know in my life, Lord, I am fearful. And in my life, Lord, I don't do what you ask me to do, but Lord, I'm renewed again to say, God, I want to, I want to, I want to. And when you do that in me, in this church, and at this time, we pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, for you. Let's stand, let's stand, let's sing, let's sing loud. Let, let, let's respond to our God.